ಚಿತ್ತದೇನ ಮಲಂ ಶರೀರ ಚೈದ್ಯಕೋಪಾಕರೋತ್ತವರ ಮುನೀನಾಂಜಲಿ ಪ್ರಾಂಜಲೀರಾನಸ್ಮಿ ಐ ಪ್ರಾಸ್ಟ್ರೆಟ್ ವಿತ್ ಫೋಲ್ಡೆಡ್ ಹ್ಯಾಂಡ್ಸ್ ಬಿಫೋರ್ ಪತಂಜಲಿ who benefited mankind by delivering yoga for mind grammar for speech and by removing impurities of body through medicine so in the last class we started we started with the discussion on the various hindrances that come on the way of our spiritual journey and how ishwara pranidhana that special type of devotion to god can help us to get rid of all the hindrances which come on the way of our spiritual journey and in the 30th sutra we studied we started studying the various hindrances which has been enunciated what are they the vyadhi sthyana ಸಂಶಯ ಪ್ರಮಾದ ಆಲಸ್ಯ ಅವಿರತಿ ಭ್ರಾಂತಿ ದರ್ಶನ ಅಲಬ್ಧಂ ಭೂಮಿಕತ್ವ ಅನವಸ್ಥಿತತ್ವ ಚಿತ್ತ ವಿಕ್ಷೇಪ ಚ ಅಂತರಾಯ ಸೊ ವಾಟ್ ಆರ್ ದಿ ದ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ಈಸ್ ವ್ಯಾಧಿ ವಿ ಫೈಂಡ್ ದಟ್ ಡಿಸೀಸ್ ಇಸ್ ಅ ಬಿಗ್ ಹಿಂಡ್ರನ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ ಅವರ್ ಸ್ಪಿರಿಚುವಲ್ ಜರ್ನಿ ಇಟ್ ಹ್ಯಾಸ್ ಬಿನ್ ಆಪ್ಟ್ಲಿ ಸೆಟ್ ಶರೀರ ಮಾಧ್ಯಮ ಖಲು ಧರ್ಮ ಸಾಧನ this body is not our goal to just keep health proper health is not our goal but the body is just like the rocket launcher to launch the soul if the launcher is not strong enough if there is some defect in the launcher itself we cannot as if eject the soul out of this transmigratory existence so that's the purpose for the liberation we need a strong body then only we can think of progressing in our spiritual journey so that's why if we find this body is diseased then it becomes a big hindrance in our spiritual journey the next is tyana the restlessness which comes from a sense of insecurity in our life we find that there are situations sometimes we find that everything is progressing everything is happening as per my wish the life appears to be quite at ease everything is going on very smoothly and suddenly all the hindrances of life are like some a bird flying a bird flying thinking the open sky is in front of me and it never notices a transparent glass pane the hindrances of life are something like that it is something unseen and we have not we cannot see it suddenly it comes and just like the bird we just crash with the glass pane and collapse and then we find that life is so insecure the hindrances are so unforeseen 
something is not there to hold on as if and that gives a sense of restlessness so the disease the restlessness and then the sanshaya the doubt comes that is there really anything called the spirit the essence of my being or everything is just the physical world everything ends with this physical world the spiritual dimension is most probably a, just a mere make believe and all those doubts we find assail us today or tomorrow in our spiritual journey it comes to all of us it's bound to come even in the christian mysticism it has been spoken of as the dark night of the soul we go through those all those phases the sanshaya comes the doubt comes pramad lack of enthusiasm because of lack of proper understanding if the goal is not clearly visible to you how can you feel motivated to proceed on the journey which you have undertaken the goal should be visible then only i can proceed in the journey with full enthusiasm as the goal is not visible that pramad comes from that there is lack of enthusiasm which results in alasya the next hindrance i start my journey at the beginning there was a bit enthusiasm then i lose all my interest because i find and nothing as if there is ahead of me and the laziness comes and i find very quickly i stop my practices it's a very common thing we find in our spiritual journey so many have resolved to start the spiritual journey with full enthusiasm they start and in no time when the any when the initial enthusiasm has gone the initial thrill has gone the laziness lethargy that dawns in in our life we stop the practice and then what then the next hindrance avirati we find that after all that we all resort to the spiritual life to get detached from the sensate existence sensate pleasures of the world as much as possible that that should be subdued and more and more i should grow in my spirit as it has been told very nicely by tulsidas in one of his dohas that we can never cross the river by keeping our two legs on two boats it's not possible if i have to worship the spirit i cannot worship the flesh at the same time it can these two can never go together but i find in my spiritual journey that avirati somehow the intermission the interval in my sensate adventures doesn't stop it continues that's what is meant by avirati and then bhranti darshana that after reading the scriptures without any realization suddenly i start feeling that i have understood everything as swami vivekananda used to say that most of us by reading spiritual books make the mistake that i am progressing spiritually what happens is actually just some intellectual understanding has dawned in the doubts are getting clarified intellectually but it has it is yet to become a matter of realization that spiritual truth is not a fact of realization but i think 
that I has as if I have reached the spiritual goal. That is Bhranti Darshan. That you are deluded about your spiritual journey. And then even sometimes if you are clear about your spiritual goal, you don't get deluded just by your intellectual understanding to be an attainment. You know that attainment is something, intellectual understanding is something else. But then alabdham bhumikatva, you feel that you never reach the goal. And then anavasthitatva, that if somehow I reach the goal once, I don't know when again it will come back. For the first time, I realize a let go has ensured, a bliss has ensured. And I think, oh, I have achieved. From the next day onwards, whenever I sit for meditation, I'm going to have it. So many of us have found that how deluding it is. It comes and goes. Never, we never know when again that bliss, that wonderful bliss, we most probably, we most probably have enjoyed in our meditation once in a while. It never comes back. So that is anavasthitattva. So all these results from the chitta vikshepa, and these are the hindrances. There are a few more hindrances which will be spoken of in the 31st, 31st sutra, the next sutra, another four hindrances. But first let us deal with this. In the last class we have dealt in details, in detail that about the vyadhi, the disease, that what's the real cause of the disease is the klesha. The cause of our bondage is the klesha that in turn in the long run again results in, uh, in all the disease. As we were telling, what are the kleshas? Avidya, Asmita, Raga, Dvesha, Abhinivesha. From the ignorance that ego comes into existence, I start limiting myself within my psychophysical existence. And now what happens? Anything which is pleasurable to this psychophysical existence, anything which is favorable for its existence, I get attached to it in the form of Raga. If anything is not favorable for its existence, if it, anything is going to annihilate it, I am afraid of it. I hate it. So Dvesha and Abhinivesha comes from the, all the detrimental factors of my psychophysical existence. So Raga, Dvesha, Abhinivesha. These are the outcomes of the uh, um, uh, ignorance that is avidya and asmita and throughout the life these are the three things which is motivating us for all the activities which we are doing raga dvesha abhinivesha in the last class we have seen this raga dvesha abhinivesha which are the basic cause of our existence raga is the cause for all the growth the things which is favorable for my existence, I get drawn to it. For the food, I get drawn to it. It is good. It is good for my growth. And Dvesha Abhinivesha, I have to protect myself. So for the protection, the Dvesha Abhinivesha, whatever is harmful, I have to run away from it. So this growth and protection, these are the two basic factors of life, which is taken care of by Raga Dvesha Abhinivesha. 
But very interesting, what is the paradox? The same Ragadvisha Vinivesha, which though spiritually is blurring my vision from my spiritual realization, is actually enabling me to continue in my physical existence. You may say, I don't have anything to do with the spiritual growth. But the big, the big paradox, the big problem is this Ragadvesha Avinivesha, which at the beginning appears to be something required for my existence, in the long run proves to be detrimental for my existence. When I get obsessive about them, as in the last class we were telling that all the Raga, when you get obsessed by them, after some time what happens, you forget the necessity. You start overdoing it. Anything within, within the limit is good. That's why one of the main dictums of Buddha is Madhya Pantha. Don't go for the extreme. If you starve, that you are going to die. If you are going to overindulge in food, that again is going to harm you. All the lifestyle diseases is because of that indulgence. But why that, from where that indulgence comes? Because today's necessity we forget and it gets converted into obsession. So raga that way becomes converted into obsession, which results in all the lifestyle diseases because of our obsession for them. We get highly obsessive to all those obsessive, compulsive, they become compulsive. We cannot live without them. We overdo, we start indulging. And then instead of nourishing, they start harming us. So that's the obsession with the raga. Even Dvesha and Avinivesha can be obsessive. They are good. But if, why they are good? Yes, when I am in some danger, I have to go to in the protection mode. But they harm in a different way. What? This growth and protection cannot go on simultaneously, as in the last class we were discussing. That when I am in the growth mode, the protection mode is off. The moment the protection mode gets activated, the growth mode gets off. As we were speaking of that experiment of the microbes in the petri dish, when they are going towards the nutrient, they are moving towards the center. When they are running away from the toxin, they are moving out of the center. These two cannot happen together. Even in the human being, we find that after the meal, if I am scared of something and I have to run, it is at the cost of my digestion. Why? Digestion speaks of growth. But the moment I have to run, my adrenal alarm has been set in and all the blood now has to rush to the periphery, to the limbs, because I have to run. And it is done at the cost of digestion. All the digestive tracts where the blood was going, that all those blood vessels gets constricted. Because if the blood is now used for digestion, you cannot run. So you have to run now. So they all go to the periphery, to the limbs. And your digestion is impaired. Your growth is impaired. Not only that. Our secondary protection system, the immune system, that also gets impaired when I am stressed. Because as we were giving that example, when I am in an immediate danger, I have to run. I can take care of my infection later. So the immune system is compromised when I am stressed. 
So you will find all the disease after all has something to do with the restriction of the growth and restriction of the immune system. Nothing else, not a single disease can go beyond the purview of these two factors. Either in some way my stress has constricted the growth factor or it has constricted the immune system. These are the two factors, nothing else. All our disease is because of the constriction of these two factors. Now, if it happens occasionally, when I'm in danger, it's okay. I can, I can just uh, take care of the growth later. I can take care of the immune system later. For the time being, that stress was helpful for my survival. So that was okay. But now if the stress continues, because of the present uh, social scenario, our work culture, the present society, we are in such a society now, apart from the work, even though we just see the COVID-19 situation, it is so unpredictable because of social isolation, where we don't know when it is going to be over. That again is creating stress, which instead of being temporary is continuing, is just continuing. And when that happens, then that what happens, even when there is no factor for the stress, there's no reason for the stress, the stress now becomes obsessional. It becomes compulsive. You will find if you are habituated with the stress, then even when you take a leave and go for vacation, you find without any reason you're stressed out. Even when you are in holiday, you need a sleeping pill for sleeping because the stress has become now obsessional. And these are the two factors this results in all the disease. So where the Ishwara Pranidhana helps, in the last class we were discussing, that Ishwara, the concept we find, what is his Klesha Karma Vipaka Ashay Apparamrishta. He's beyond that. He is a Purusha. But he is a unique Purusha. He is not like us. He is in no way. In no way gets affected by the glaciers as he is never in ignorance. He is beyond that. So when I am in association with Ishwar, I am just trying to practice his presence in my life as if he is sitting in my heart as we spoke of the Ahangra Upasana. He's sitting in my heart. He's always with me. He's above all those glaciers, afflictions, and he is the guiding factor of my life. Just by being aware of the presence of a Purusha who is beyond the afflictions, those values start getting internalized in you. Those values get internalized. And it's a very common thing. The one on the thing on which you dwell, that creates an impression on your mind and that becomes your nature. Even we find the children, those who have started watching movie, some of the movie stars, they affect them so much. As they start dwelling in them, they start dressing like them. They start combing their hairs like them. The hairstyle, their dress, everything just is as if like the star whom they watch all the time. That's what is the nature of the mind. It gets tainted by the thing on which you dwell. So when your Ishwara Pranidhana, you get habituated, 
to be beyond the afflictions that becomes now your habitual mode you also start getting habituated because that ishwaratva you can never become ishwar you can never become god but the potentiality to become god like is in us all those godly qualities we can inculcate and by constantly dwelling in the presence of the divine we find in our life that the afflictions are getting attenuated and immediately we will find it has to do with our health immediately the health starts improving even if you go to the doctor the same thing he will say get rid of the stress get rid of the obsession nothing else at present we will find that if you have to prevent any disease if you don't you need not have to cure first try to prevent the cure comes only when you are diseased i need not have to go i need not have to get diseased that's the question of cure doesn't come if you have to prevent and these are the two factors don't indulge don't be stressed and that in that ishwar pranidhana plays a great role it's very easy to say don't indulge and don't get stressed but how to practice ishwar pranidhana is a proven practice for ages it's not that human beings are not that full that they will do something without any purpose without if if it is, doesn't serve any purpose why should he do it for ages together somehow we find that devotion somehow devotion to the spirit some spiritual being to god is something without which the human society cannot stay you may take away from the academic education you may the science may be there to say that they are all nonsense but it still continues because it has it is a proven factor that necessity is a basic religion is a basic necessity of human beings just the way we cannot stay without water we cannot stay without food we cannot stay without air they are the basic necessities similarly this religion which has which has this idea of constantly being aware of the presence of the divine it has to do with that idea that somehow has been with the human kind for ages together because it's a necessity it really helps us to cope up with the challenges of life and the first thing we find is our health is improving the hindrance in the form of vyadis falling off the stiana the restlessness the moment you get what you say that hinged to the divine the divine is always with you this idea becomes something uh, which is which is always in the back background of your mind this idea you have got habituated to it then what happens as the example we are giving it is there is no effort as such that you will find that the all the so called the fear factors the lack of the sense of lack of security they are falling off and the example which we gave in the last class if you remember is just like a small child was the infant or the small child was sleeping and most probably because of some nightmare it got up it is highly agitated starts crying the mother comes and sits beside the child for some time and the child again falls asleep so that is the best way to understand that how without any effort 
just by that subjective feeling that someone is there to take care of me can help us to go beyond the sense of insecurity, beyond the sense of loneliness. And that helps us to get rid of the restlessness which results from the sense of insecurity. And samshaya, once you find that the restlessness has gone, you are enjoying health. The, your practice of Ishwara Pranidhana has already started yielding result. Though in a very worldly way that you are free from the disease, your mind is much calm. Uh, you are yet to attain any spiritual uh, realization. But these basic things gives you the conviction that I am moving in the correct path. That this is helping me. And then the samshaya, all the doubt starts falling off. And if at the very beginning I have started getting the benefits, then of course something higher is waiting for me. And that gives me the enthusiasm to practice. There's a nice story of Ramakrishna. One day one thief uh, entered into the uh, orchard of a very rich man. And he was stealing all the those vegetables, the fruits. And suddenly the security heard the noise. Something, some noise they heard. And they immediately they had they inferred that someone must have entered into the garden. So there was a huge shout that hey, most probably someone has entered into the garden. All the securities, they started blowing the whistle and they started searching. And now this man who was inside the garden stealing, now he was scared how to save himself. So what he did immediately, he saw some uh, ash, some, this, uh, someone has actually uh, in the winter uh, placed some fire on some wood, they have gathered some wood and uh, lighted it to get the warmth of it. So some ash was there. So he smeared him, he opened up his shirt, just was wearing the lion cloth and smeared himself with ash and sat in a meditative posture on the shade of a tree. So all the security who were in search of the thief found no thief. They saw a holy man sitting on the shade of the tree and immediately the news was spread throughout the village that a holy man has came and is sitting just on the shade of the tree, meditating there. So all came to offer their respect to the of science and they brought a lot of offerings in the form of food, in the form of money. And now this thief started thinking, I just took the garb of a holy man. I'm not a holy man. I've just taken the garb of a holy person. I'm just pretending to be a holy person and just see how much I have already gained. If I really become a holy man, how much I'm going to gain? And the real renunciation dawned in and the thief got transformed. He stopped stealing and he started leading a holy life. So this is a story, one of the parables of Ramakrishna. So here also the Sangshaya, the doubt goes off that way. When you find just by a little practice, you have, you have got to certain extent established in the 
presence, in the awareness of the presence of the divine in your life, the vyadhi is vanishing, sthyana is vanishing, you're becoming calm, you're getting, getting better health, the sankshaya, the doubt vanishes. If just at the beginning I get so much, so many things must be waiting for me. So that sankshaya goes, and then the pramada, the lack of enthusiasm vanishes, lethargy goes, and then comes that avirati. We, start, we have stopped here in the alasya, that avirati. So what is avirati? So once you get the enthusiasm, you start practicing. You find the nature of the mind is such what you do repeatedly. Once it becomes the habit, once it becomes habitual, that repeated practice of the same thing creates as if a path in the mind. In the modern neurological language, it is called the neuroplasticity. What you do again and again, just when you're skiing on the surface of the ice, on the, skiing on the snow, and you will find that when you're skiing, a path is formed. It keeps a mark, a trace behind. Similarly, whatever is your pursuit in the mind in the same way, a path is formed. And once the path is formed, you will find that the thing which you are doing out of necessity, now it has become something of your liking. As we were telling that all the things that how Raga became obsessive, that's the way. Here, that same thing is used in a positive way. Here also the obsession happens. Now the obsession is for Ishwara Pranidhana. So just to think of God now becomes something of your liking. Previously it was as if you were just struggling. You were using your willpower to keep your mind in the thought of the divine. Now you find it has become habitual, not only habitual, a bliss ensues of it. And as more and more you get bliss out of it, the other thing starts falling off. The other desire starts falling off. So avirati, till you get bliss in the spiritual journey, it is impossible to get rid of our past old obsessions. It is impossible. We can never force them out. The only way we have to develop taste for something sublime, something spiritual. In the words of Ramakrishna, the more we go towards the east, the west automatically falls behind. I cannot push the west out. The only way I can get rid of the west, I have to proceed towards the east. The more you become aware of the divine in your life, the more this other worldly engagements, they start falling off naturally. As Sri Ramakrishna's examples are wonderful, you cannot force them out. You know, when uh, uh, you have, you develop some uh, scab on the wound, and when it is healing, the scab is there on the wound. If you just try to remove it, the wound will lacerate. You just have to leave it. It falls off by itself. But, and sometimes the ointment, if so you can use some ointment and it accelerates the process of healing. So Ishwara Pranidhana is like that ointment. If you try to just simply 
scratch it out. The wound will lacerate. It won't heal. But you have to apply the ointment of Ishwara Pranidhana and it will automatically fall off. And the falling off will be accelerated because of the applying of the ointment in the form of Ishwara Pranidhana. So that's how the avirati, the interruption comes. And once it comes, you have realized what real bliss is. All your wrong notions about the spiritual realization is bound to fall off. You may develop so many wrong notions about the taste of mango by hearing about the taste of the mango, but you are yet to taste it. Someone have told that it is sweet, it has a nice flavor, and immediately you conceptualize and you start thinking, oh, I know. The day you taste the mango, immediately all those wrong notions are bound to fall off in a flash. The same thing happens here, that once the alasya, the lethargy is gone, you're enthusiastic about your spiritual journey that has taken you to that uh, neuroplasticity where your practice has now entailed in bliss, in remembrance, and that also is spontaneous. And that has led to a type of realization which has enabled you to get rid of the bhranti, all the misconceptions. And now what happens as you continue with your spiritual journey? as you continue. At the beginning, for the, for the time being, for uh, what you say, for a moment, I may, in my meditation, I may go to the bliss, but I find again, I go back to my old ways of life. But if I go on, continue, if I continue with my practice, and that also happens spontaneously as I have developed, started developing bliss out of it, what you will find, that more intensified is your bliss, the more falling off into the old ways becomes reduced and to continue in your high sublime state becomes prolonged and a time comes when you no more fall off, when you no more slide back to your old ways of living. And that is being indicated by the term anavasthitatwani. So sometimes we cannot remain but if with the Ishwara Pranidhana, I persevere, I continue, and then what happens? I become more and more established in that state. And it never allows me to fall off again. As in the last class, we were giving the example of an ordinary housefly and a bee. Sri Ramakrishna used to say that when we have just got a little bliss in our spiritual life, we will find that though we have the bliss of the spiritual intoxication, involvement, uh, spiritual involvement, absorption, we fall back. Just like an ordinary housefly, sometimes we are sitting on the filth, sometimes on honey. But the more you grow, at last what happens, you like become like a bee. It sits always on the honey, no more sits on the filth. So that's the transformation. It happens with the Ishwara Pranidhana, which we spoke of which we were discussing in the last class, previous class. Now we will go to the 31st uh, Sutra to continue with our, the, the discussion on this topic, where still uh, four more hindrances has been spoken of. So to refer to the 31st Sutra, now I will share the screen with you.
So here we just now discussed all those things, the Stiana, Sanshaya, Pramada, Alasya, Virati, Bhanti, Darshana, Alabdha, Bhumikattva and Anavastitva we discussed just now. I am not going because in the last class also we have gone through the text. Now we will go to the 31st Sutra. That still four more hindrances will be spoken of which can be obliterated with the help of Ishwara Pranidhana. The more we resort to Ishwara Pranidhana, the more we become aware of the presence of the divinity in our life, this other four hindrances also falls off. What are they? Dukkha, Dormanasya, Angamejayatva, Swasa, Praswasa, Vikshepa, Sahabhuva. If your mind is distressed, then along with the hindrances which has been spoken of in the 30th Sutra, this other four also accompany. What are they? Dukkha, grief. Dukkha is a grief. Dormanasya is a mental distress. We will try to differentiate when we discuss that it may appear as if same, the grief and the mental, that when we are grieved, we are of course mentally distressed. So what's the difference? There's a subtle difference between it. We will try to understand with the help of the modern psychology that what's the difference between grief, dukkha, and mental distress, dhormanasya. And from this true, what other uh, hindrances result? The tremor of the body. You will find that yes, in meditation it happens. Those at the beginning, those who are trying to meditate forcefully, they stress, they stress themselves so much, their nerves get stressed so much, they develop a tremor in their body because of the stressed nerves. So that is anga mejayatva and irregular breathing. Breathing has something to do with the calmness of the mind. You will find that. When your mind is calm, your breathing has become very regular, very deep and regular. And when you are very restless, the breathing becomes very shallow. You won't be breathing deeply and it is very irregular. When suddenly uh, your breathing may go fast, again it may go slow. There is no as such a proper rhythm in the breathing. But when your mind is calm, automatically the breathing becomes very rhythmic, regular, deep. So. Irregular breathing is something which follows grief and mental distress. So now let us try to understand that what is grief and what is mental distress. This first, this two. And how Ishwara Pradhana helps us to get rid of dukkha, grief in life, mental distress in life. Now dukkha, if you try to find out the cause of dukkha, our scripture says there are three factors for dukkha. What are they? Adhyatmik, Adhi Bhautik, and Adhi Daivik. There are three factors. Adhyatmik. There are some factors for Dukkha which is within me. Nothing else, no extraneous factors are responsible. Just uh, because, as we were mentioning, because of my uh, improper lifestyle, I develop all the lifestyle diseases for which I can blame none. So all those factors which results in lifestyle diseases can be spoken of as adhyatmic. Because of very fast life, you may develop uh, this mental distress that is also to a certain extent adhyatmic. Adi bhautik, because of some other creatures, bhuta means other creatures. 
Adi Bhautik means what? In the olden days, in the that when we were staying in the forest, in the jungle, or even much later when we were in the villages, the animals attacking from the forest, they come out and they attack the villages. It was a very common thing. Now you may say that we need not have to fear from the Bhutas, other creatures. But the big paradox is with all our development, we now are, we need not be afraid of tigers and lions, but we have to be afraid of the very basic fact, very preliminary creature from where life started, the virus, the bacteria, they are all adivotic. Your present pandemic is adivotic. It is because of the virus which neither can be seen, means you cannot even see it, perceive it. And that has created such a, a huge distress throughout the world. It is a pandemic situation. That is Adi Bhautik, Adi Daivik. Yes, because the nature, the, 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 Daiva means the nature. Sometimes the tsunami, earthquake, all those things, this can be the cause of the distress. So these are the three causes of distress in our life, Dukkha. Now, whatever may be the cause, they all result in something called inescapable trauma. You'll understand that in life, there are some small uh, difficulty. You have a headache, you take paracetamol, it's gone. So that's okay. I am not afraid of it. I know that a small infection or something. There are medicine, there are uh, so many uh, prescriptions are there with which I can get rid of. But this present situation, you find that till the vaccination is found, there's an inescapable trauma. Not only with the present situation in life, even in, in your, uh, what you say, in your profession. Sometimes we find that the situation is such, how the situations have developed, have com uh, the complex situation, the complexities has developed in such a way. I find that it is almost beyond my powers to get rid of all the complexities in my life. And that gives me a sense of inescapable trauma. The problems are there which I cannot resolve. There is a huge wall in front of me. I cannot go beyond. And from such inescapable trauma, what happens? We develop a type of learned helplessness. It's a very a uh, technical term, term which is used in the modern psychology, that in life you will find that once or twice you have gone through the inescapable trauma, you develop a defeatist attitude because of this learned helplessness. Though the next situation, yes, previously one situation was there where I didn't have the means, I didn't have the means to really uh, deal with it. But that doesn't mean that all the situations, all the challenges in life will be like that. There may be some solutions, but I develop a learned helplessness. I develop that idea, oh, I cannot, I am helpless. Most probably I cannot. Like in the previous situation, in this situation also, I cannot cope up with it. So that is the learned helplessness. When that you experience repeatedly is inescapable trauma, you develop this learned helplessness, which again results in the defeatist attitude. All sorts of depression you will find, you can find here that we leave all hope. It results in very deep depression. And that depression 
to certain extent can be explained as the mental distress that all the dukkha at last leads leads to if we cannot cope up with it leads to this mental distress dhor manushya in the modern in the modern technical uh, psychological term it can be uh, termed as the depression a tremendous depression is the dhor manushya so how now they are saying that ishwar pranidhana can help how ishwar pranidhana can help us to deal with the miseries of life the traumas of life and the depression that ensues from it how ishwar pranidhana can help even in modern psychology it has been accepted the fact that they say that we deal with statistics now god is beyond our purview whether god is or not we are not bothered about it it is beyond our purview but one thing something which is in our statistics is in our studies we have found that those who have those who are oriented with some faith deals with the life in a much better way they cope up with the stress with the cope up with the challenges of life in a more resilient way now this study has resulted in finding out the factors that what enables if you to deal with the challenges of life in a much better way than the majority the majority goes to a pessimistic mode if you in spite of all the stress they go through life in spite of all the trauma they go through life they somehow maintain that optimistic attitude so what are the factors that determines that differentiates this two so there are many factors the first is that as we have uh, in this chart we have made the pessimist they think all the situations of all the challenges of life are something permanent i cannot deal with it once or twice they have went through that trauma and now it has become permanent all the problems of life are something my fate is such i cannot deal with them they again come they always they repeatedly come to my life and most probably i cannot deal with them so they are permanent the optimistic every challenge they take as a new one the previous challenge is gone that was temporary i again with a new zeal with enthusiasm to deal with the new challenges that makes them optimistic the pessimist thinks the problem to be all pervasive but a small thing a problem has happened in the life and they give so much importance to it that even the positive factors of the life they get shadowed to give an example a small child is weak in maths but is good in all other subjects but when all starts pointing that you are weak weak in math and that goes to his head he becomes so worried about his weakness in math that it starts affecting his other subjects the other sub is quite good if there are 100 faculties 98 are positive only two are negative then why i deal with those two negative and forget about those 98 positive so that's the but the pessimist does that he is so much bothered about those two negative and he forgets about the all the positive factors and that's how his problem starts pervading his entire life the optimist knows to keep it local yes i have some negativities everyone has yes but that is just a part of me why should i allow it to influence my just 
I just shadow my entire life. I am quite good at so many things. So that's how the optimists keep their problem as something local. The pessimist thing is always thinks helpless. There's no way out. But the optimist, they're always hopeful. They know that somewhere or other, the good situations will come. The help will come. They're always optimistic about it. The pessimist plays the plays blame game for the situation starts blaming others. But the optimist takes the responsibility. Now what actually it means, we will further enunciate it. It is a very, a very interesting discussion. First, let us try to understand that how that optimism can be developed by Ishwara Pranidhana. That example in the previous classes we gave, again, we will just uh, resort to that same example that all problems cannot be solved from the sensed dimension of our existence. We must relate to the spiritual dimension of our existence for answer. And now to understand this, that example, which we have uh, uh, cited so many times, that can you draw exactly four triangles by joining four points? You try, you can never, you can never do it. In a paper you draw, you just spot four points and try to draw exactly four triangles. It will never happen. The lines will intersect to create the fifth or the sixth point. You will never get exactly four triangles. The answer is draw three points, spot three points in the paper and imagine the fourth point to be in the space. Now join the three points in the paper, you get one triangle. And from each of the points, now imagine a line on the point in the space. You will get a triangular pyramid <coughs> with exactly four triangular faces. <coughs> the bottom, the base is one triangle and three sides are also triangle. Exactly four triangle you will get. So the answer was on the another plane. You have to take the third dimension into consideration to get the answer. Similarly in life, as long as everything is going on well, we find the sense of dimension of existence is quite fulfilling. Only the problem starts when we really go through those inescapable trauma. And then we find there is no answer. And that leads to terrible depression, which again, we will find that this drug addiction is related to this depression. When we find no solution, they resort to drugs. It has become a rampant problem in our life. Just inescapable trauma, depression, drug addiction. So instead of drug addiction, which takes us spirally downwards, kills us, disintegrates us, we could have thought of another addiction, which could have taken us spirally upward and would have given us the answer. That is the addiction for bringing the awareness of the divine in our life. That will be the, that is something relating to the another dimension of existence where you will find the questions of your life is getting answered. When you start relating to that, that the, the divine dimension, there's so many things, your perspective gets, your perspective gets broadened. You are no more narrowed down by the sense of existence. 
the god is who is beyond all clashes he is there through eternity i also as a purusha can be like him by manifesting all the divine qualities which are potentially hidden in me the more i think of him the more i become like him and then what happens all the clashes starts falling off all the traumas of life they become something temporary it has to do with a particular phase of my life my life is not restricted just to this present physical dimension of my existence i am in eternity everything will pass off nothing is going to adhere to me through eternity why to give so much importance in this relation i remember one of the wonderful incidents in the life of swami vivekananda when swami vivekananda was in the west he was quite famous by then lecturing throughout the length and breadth of america then another person he was an agnostic very famous he was also delivering lectures throughout the country and he was also quite famous his name was ingersoll now ingersoll and swami vivekananda met once and there's a the conversation is wonderful ingersoll is agnostic doesn't believe in god he says i have this only one life so i believe that i have an orange in hand i have to squeeze it till the last drop that's my aim in life to squeeze out the maximum pleasure that i can get out of this one life which i have that is to squeeze out the last drop of the orange swami vivekananda replied wonderful he told the my aim is also the same but the problem is you want to squeeze till the last drop but you cannot you are in a hurry for you there is only one life i leisurely go on squeezing i know i live in eternity you live in time i live in eternity that's the wonderful way to understand ishwara pranidhana and nothing there is no hurry nothing is there which is going to adhere to me as a permanent problem in life however great it may be it is something just temporary it is something local it is something which is affecting only a part of my existence i need not give it so much importance thinking that it has just engulfed me there is no sense of helplessness i know that there is ishwara to take care of me in proper time you know there's there's a wonderful book it is one of the classics in psychology it's available uh, you can download uh, uh, free that book is available even in the uh, in your internet you can just search you will get it man's search for meaning the name of the book is written by victor e frankel man's search for meaning in that book he is relating his wonderful experience as an inmate of the concentration camp during the world war 2 the nazis concentration camp where you cannot just even imagine the what what hardship what torture they were going through in short what i want to say is there in that book he told it is not your physical health it is not your strength which really speaks of your sustainability when you are in a very stressed situation what things of your what really factors for your sustainability 
which can keep you going is your hope that there must be a way out it is not going to be something permanent that's that something is waiting there to help us out from the situation it is those who could keep that hope it is not the healthy ones not the physically strong ones it is those who somehow could keep that hope keep that hope enlightened that was kept lighted by them it is they though came out in skin though came out when they came out they were skin and bones but their wit was intact they never they didn't get mad you know the most of them perished died in that type of torture and those who came out 90% of them were just stark mad totally got mad they couldn't keep their wits normal it was only those who had that hope who had that sense that we are going to come out of this situation the help is there waiting for us they could still have maintained their sanity and that's what the optimistic is the one whose things that hope is there always they never feel helpless and the ishwara pranidhana helps that way that there is a big a figure bigger than life there's an entity bigger than life who can help me out of all the situations let me have the patience and wait never plays the blame game that god has kept me in such a situation for no reason i don't know why he takes the responsibility that the idea is god has kept me in situation this situation for some reason i seek not avoid not i don't go on seeking for better situation nor i avoid it i take i just take the responsibility of the situation what's the responsibility means i will just with an example you will understand in a monastery one one monk was quarreling extremely by nature he was quarreling always used to quarrel with others and one day he quarreled with all and at last blamed all and told and just told them that it is impossible to stay with you and he himself left all the all the monks were relieved oh at last he himself has gone the head monk the old the senior head monk he somehow was not happy he was in search of the one inmate he wanted to stay with all the inmates with all their positive and negative sides he used to with love he wanted to deal with them so he was in search of that who ran away others monks tried to dissuade him don't try to discourage but he continued his search and he found him and he brought him back and when all other monks were complaining why you brought him back his remark his reaction was wonderful you don't understand what he told is that you don't understand his presence is essential he is our patience practicing factor if he is not there how can you practice patience he he is the weight against which you have to work to grow in strength so you take the responsibility you don't simply blame that is an optimistic attitude that i don't blame god that he has kept me in such a situation i take it in a very positive way i don't and what happens the last point uh, this another thing which i have discussed here we have discussed here is in life whenever the stress comes we want to run away to the comfort zone but those who are optimistic 
they do just the opposite whenever the favorable circumstance come they take them to be just the stress breakers that life is going to have stress as as in our scripture very nicely it has been told that a man sitting on the bank of the on the shore of the ocean on the sea beach and he's waiting for what let the waves subside let the waves stop i will go and have a dip in the ocean i will swim in the ocean so he's a fool the waves are never going to subside if he has to swim in the ocean in spite of the waves he has to just go and plunge on the ocean there is no other way so all the moments of happiness are just the stress breakers life means waves after waves will come if i have to just take a bath i have to swim there i have to plunge on it so he never runs to the comfort zones he has taken that god has kept me in this situation to grow in strength so just by relating to the dimension he can take care of the dukkha and the dormanasya so automatically that the defeatist attitude is gone he becomes resilient enough she becomes resilient enough to deal with the challenges of life and once he can do that the dukkha and dormanasya actually results in this the weakness of the nerve from which the tremor of the body ensues uh the parkinson disease and everything it has to do with that stress which we ongoing stress in our life the tremor of the body you'll find in the scriptures it's all mentioned irregular breathing uh, all those things as the cause is gone they also are resolved and you start enjoying a blissful existence as swami ji once uh, as indicating that when you find that your body you are enjoying health your mind is easily getting calm and you it is going to that high states of meditation then only you know the joy of living in this physical body so that's the thing for the first time you experience there is a terrible joy there's a bliss in existence and that comes out when all these obstacles goes off and that again is for enables you to broaden your perspective and build your life on that broadened perspective so that's what the ishwara pranidhana does so that now you will find that all the impediments which has been spoken of in the 30th and the 31st sutra can be resolved by ishwara pranidhana so the 32nd sutra will actually conclude this section this we will study in the next class uh, this tat pratishedham ekatattva abhyasa with this sutra ishwara pranidhana will be concluded and then the another section which will start with the preliminary practice of cleansing the mind how we can cleanse the mind by just changing our attitudes we are not always getting a situation to meditate we have to deal with the world when we are in the world how by changing our attitudes we can cleanse our mind even when we are dealing with our day to day activities that will be wonderfully spoken of in the 33rd sutra this 32nd 33rd sutra and the succeeding sutras we will take up gradually in the next class with this we stop our discussion today thank you shami ji uh, namaskar namaskar thank you shami ji uh, namaskar